Hey, everybody, this is Kyrishi Wigington back with another amazing episode of Too Much Woman for This World, the podcast, um, where we highlight a thick, plus size, voluptuous, hella sexy, hella fresh, hella dope women um, out there in the world doing things. Uh, maybe people who are in, in fields that you wouldn't consider big women being, being in women that you ain't never ever seen before in a light that you ain't never seen before, but all things big and fresh and female. And that's what we're getting into today. Um, one of my dear friends, Corinthia Peoples of Corinthia Peoples Design uh, is our guest today. And we're gonna get into it with her. So Corinthia, tell the people a little bit about yourself. Mm, hi Kai, how are you? I'm good, my love. How are you? I am so well. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate this. This is awesome. Too much woman for this world, huh? Yes. Honey, that's what's <laughs> up. <laughs> yeah. I love it. It's a it's a great it's a great name because mm -hmm. you know a lot of times who Corinthian Peoples is, I feel like I'm too much woman for this world. Facts. <laughs> yes. So, um, Corinthian People's Designs is a wearable art jewelry um, collections of gemstones, um, sterling silver, beautiful um, energies that comes from the stones that I promote to um, my community, my tribe of women. Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, just ask me some questions, Kai. I'm a dancer. I am, I'm multi-talented. Um, I have a, I, I go live. I do a live wearable art show every Wednesday at Corinthia People's Designs on Facebook and Corinthia People's at YouTube. Mm -hmm. I also have a, a show that's an extended content version of what I do because, you know, I can't, simply just talk about stones without talking about life exactly. and what we as women go through, how we have to navigate and pivot, which is the other show that I do on Saturdays, every Saturday at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, 2 p.m. Um, Eastern Time. And it is a show of how we pivot as to be the woman that we are today, mm -hmm. how we have to change and move mm -hmm lean into our, our, our change. We have to change. If we're not changing, we're dead, as Lauren Hill says. So with change comes transformation, just like a butterfly coming out of a chrysalis and growing its wings, strengthening its So um, the Corinthian people's The Woman is, is quite interesting. <laughs> I love it. You know, it's interesting. Uh, one of the things that always stands out with, for me, when I watch you with your customers, um, whether they're people you've known forever, like for, you know, they've been long-term customers or you're just meeting them, there is something you have that you're tapped into around femininity and the sacred woman. And I feel like your, 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 your clients are paying for an experience. So it's never just the jewelry. It's mm -hmm. always like, what is speaking to you? What do I see when I see you? And I feel like when your clients are with you, they, they get nourished. Um, you, know, you know how they talk about customer service 
um, mm -hmm. and like good cu customer service. I feel like you've mastered, like, like when I see you at work and it's not work, like, I don't think that it's something that is, I don't think it's a burden or even necessarily something that you're conscious of all the time. I think it's like what is natural for you and you you want to make women feel better about themselves. And so when even when you're saying wearable art, like I feel like you want women to tap into their sacredness and their sexuality and their sensuality and their femininity and like, and they you make them feel better. I feel like that's why people come back to you. Mm, mm. Yeah, if that's, exact, that's exactly it, you know, because what we put on our bodies, what we adorn our bodies with needs to be purposeful, mm -hmm. right? Whether we're saying, oh, I'm gonna put on pink today or I'm gonna do blue or I'm gonna pop this color, right? Mm -hmm. It's all purposeful and it's a, an expression of art. We are art as being human beings, as walking this world, we are art. People look at us, um, people vibe with us. We have an energy, an aura that mm -hmm. extends outside of our our physical body. Mm -hmm. So yes, I, I definitely want to nourish women because I want to be nourished, right? So everything that I'm giving, I want to receive. I, yep. And, and yeah, it, and it comes across. It doesn't even come across like, because uh, you're talking about reciprocity, right? And so I, I get that, but it doesn't, even though, even though that might be the undercurrent of what, what, why you're doing what you're doing, why you approach it in that way it it mm -hmm. doesn't it feels like you're just like you recognize spirit and you you tap in really quickly and you honor you honor and uplift um and it, it's just really beautiful I'm like wow like you do something with people and you know I have my own people magic that exists in a way but like I like that people magic <laughs> you know I, I understand people. I, I get people. I talk to people. I have my own way of tapping in. Yours is different. And when I watch it, it's like really amazing to watch. Like mm -hmm. I see, I see it. I see you. Um, and yeah. I'm like, oh, you, you got, you, you're like this piece, this piece right here, this going to make you feel the most sexy ever. And it's true. You know, I feel like we should wear jewelry that complements our size our um our inner woman our channeled woman our alter ego mm -hmm. right i believe jewelry should caress the body and feel um like home when you put on a piece of jewelry um you should feel like oh yes that's it you know you, it can't be rehearsed you can't be like oh i'm gonna like I'm going to make this piece wear me. You got to wear the piece, right? You got to own some of who you are, some of who, what your femininity is. And a lot of it, what you said, Kai, is just, I think it comes so natural. I don't even realize that that's the exchange, that that's actually what's going on. But, but you say it, um, you say it very well. And that is, that is a lot of what I do. I want to tap into women deeply not just surface because you know we can say what we do you know what our professions are you know these titles the boxes I want to go outside of our boxes and go into our the depths of who we are and we can express that through what we wear so yeah mm -hmm. absolutely yes that is definitely um I'm glad that's coming across because that's that's my my mission I think it's some of what my destiny is here on this planet right now
It makes sense. Like it, it, it and I've watched you in several different arenas with several kinds of people. Um, and it doesn't matter if you have somebody, there's that chocolate sister who you've been, she's been a client of yours for like years and years and years. Um, and you know, she gonna come, she gonna spend some good money. She want the big piece. She want the, the shit that ain't nobody else rocking, right? Um, right. <clears throat> so I've seen you with people like her and I've seen you with elders. I've seen you with younger women. I've seen you with new customers. I've seen you with non-black women. Um, so I've seen you and, and how you move is like, like that reads uh, with all of them. It transcends. It's not just like, oh, I'm like this with this person over here because I'm comfortable with them. Like, no, you really see women um, and see that part of women and tap in. So I appreciate that. Um, mm-hmm. so, something else that I've always appreciated about your work, and I tell you this all the time, is that it's un- unapologetically African. Like your aesthetic is African. Um, the symmetry, the asymmetry, the the play on the big, um, even like uh, the piece you ha- you have on right now, like. I was thinking about like, you're a big woman, like you're tall and you're big, right? Like, um, and I think that there's a way, there is a way that this world wants black women, big women to play small and to shroud and hide. And I feel like you're like, let's go big, go big or go home. Maybe it's the Texas in you, right? Like <laughs> you're like bold, pop out there. Like don't hide, like we're big. So let's make it bigger. Like, I feel like that is that that's what I read in your work too. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's interesting you that you say that because you it is, we are in a world that does want us to shrink. Um and even at growing up, I've I feel that I've been asked to shrink. Um, you know, I've been told growing up from being from the South, you know, I grew up with shh, you're too loud. Little girls are made to be seen and not heard. You know, these types of things my grandmother told me, but it was this that Southern peace in her. But for me, yes, there is a time to be seen and not heard. Don't get me wrong. There is a time to be big and bold and wild and, and, and unapologetic as well. So there's spaces that we have to... Um, acquiesce to but there are also spaces that are inside of us that want to come forward and for me I want to speak my voice I want to say the things that I'm thinking I want to be unapologetic um so I practice that within myself and I usher it out within other women through through wearable art through wearable art we are art the way we do our hair the way we you know put on our lipstick what we are our our um our adornments, our way of we, uh, our way of carrying ourselves, the way we sway our hips, the way we mm-hmm. walk, the way we talk, the way we lean our heads, mm-hmm. you know, the way we lean in, honey, it's just all uh, it's the, it's all that that femininity bubbling, bubbling in, you know, and and I'm at home there. Mm-hmm. I'm at home in that space, even mm-hmm. though you know I have this. The side of me that, you know, likes to drive 100 miles an hour down the highway that drives a stick shift and honey, put that thing in first, second, fourth and fifth and we ride out, you know. So it's 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 that duality of of the the masculine and the feminine of the yin and the um, what's the other one? The yin Yin and the yang. Uh Yes. The um, the head and the toe, the. Oshun and the Oya, 
the Shango and the the um the Oya in her, you know, it's just all of that energy that we possess. We're not one dimensional, mm-hmm. we're three dimensional. And now being that we're going into the Aquarian age, honey, the five dimension is on the rise. It's already, it's already here. So if we having dreams that's already showing us the way, that's already showing us where to be, mm-hmm. we're already in the fifth dimension. I heard that, I heard that. Um, you talked a little bit about your grandmother. Tell me more about um, growing up and messages you received about your body, like mm. about your body and who you are. What's the story of your body? Oh, honey. Um, so when I was 11, 10, excuse me, 10, mm-hmm. honey, my grandmother put me in a girdle. You know, it was all about, <clears throat> it was all about being a woman of finesse, mm-hmm. right? So I remember um, my first girdle, mm-hmm. you know, all about, you know, having no lines in the body when you had on certain clothes, there was no, you know, rolls and tucks and things, things needed to be smooth. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember also when I was very young, 10 and 11, um, going shopping for bras and I was fitted for them. You know, she had a, a very elegance about her. So again, lines, right? So she was like, you know, a woman that, a woman that wears her bra, for example, and if it's too tight, it leaves indentations in your mm-hmm in your um your shoulders mm-hmm. and she was like no you have to have bras that fit you so you don't have the indentations and i mean the specifics of details my grandmother was very detailed oriented she was mm-hmm. a woman of eloquence mm-hmm. even her making her food um she was a caterer um but she catered for the dallas cowboys so she catered to a very high-end audience because she had a high-end way of being, and that's what she wanted her family to do. She wanted to go from, you know, the back roads of Louisiana into the front rows of Texas. Mm-hmm. And um, and she instilled that in me. She always felt like a idle mind was the devil's workshop. So it was important to have a goal, to have something to do, to have an outlet. Mm-hmm. So when she saw me, you know, around the house, like putting on full productions and dancing and being like, you know, this, this, um, this, 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 what do I want to say? Firecracker. Not a firecracker, but um, a, a figure, a personality. Mm-hmm, she, she tapped into that, mm-hmm. you know, she was from Louisiana. So they believed in, you know, other things other than the typical traditional mm-hmm. traditional you know this is the box you go to college she looked into who i was she says this child loved to act like she on stage and mm-hmm. you know dance around the house and let me cultivate who she is so she saw me as a kid and who i was so she put me in i was in the dallas metropolitan twirlers 
I, um, she put me in tap dance, gymnastics, um, ice skating. You know, she just kind of said, this is who this child is. Let me cultivate this. So at a very young age, I was um, a Dallas Metropolitan Twirlers. We twirled, we um, did events around the uh, Dallas Metropolitan area, as well as we did Mexico and different things. We would twirl, girl, with uh, these lights at the end of the batons mm-hmm. with these white gloves on. And we would do these spirituals, these um, with the lights dimmed. And, um, and the woman that trained us, she was no joke. She was really serious about cultivating um, this, this professional performer. Mm-hmm. if you, right, um, around these young girls. Mm-hmm. So he also felt that young girls needed an outlet. And there was some young girls that was just naturally made for a stage. Mm-hmm. And my grandmother, she traveled with me. She went with me. She said, ah, this is who my grandbaby is. She put me in pageants. And- um, You look like a pageant girl. <laughs> pageants honey right not surprise me yeah she put me in pageants honey and I would work that stage at six and seven years old so being on camera um just like even pivoting right from doing shows to going online because of COVID and how we've all are having to change and pivot and move into the new times of where we are now and that's in the technology age you know Mm -hmm. um I was, I I think I was already made for this. Mm-hmm. I was already um, built for mm-hmm. this thing because even though every single show, honey, I got to burn my sage, girl, I got to have my atmosphere right. I got to spray my little mist, honey. I got to burn my incense. I got to get my mood and my spirit right so I can be right. Therefore, I can invoke what the ancestors, she my grandmother and God wants me to, um, to embody. I heard that. Um, it's interesting uh, listening to you because my mom, similarly, um, and I felt so blessed to have the mother that I had because she, I was like, Didi, why, what made you put me in dance? And she said, we, we were watching TV. She said, I was like three or four and some dancing came up on TV and I hopped off the couch and I started trying to emulate them. And she mm-hmm. was like, oh, she want to dance. And she put me in dance and um, she also really wanted me and my brother to, uh, she liked baseball. She really loved baseball. So she put me in T-ball. I took to, to baseball and, you know, she nurtured that. And I was in Girl Scouts and all kinds of, I was always, I'm a busy kid, right? <laughs> so I yeah. did everything. Um, but my mother really loved tennis and she wanted me and my brother to play tennis, but neither one of us were interested in tennis then. And I remember when, um, when Venus and when Venus and Serena hit the scene and I was like this could have been me like why (laughs) didn't you push me to play tennis and she was like you weren't interested in it and there was even a point where I could have been in like tv shows and things like that and my mom said she decided that it was better to have a child I guess than to have a phenom she wanted to have she wanted us to have like the experience I guess she was like I know that what you're going I know where you're headed but I also want you to have a childhood um, but really in that childhood, still very open to like tasting all of life and experiencing like being on stage, being my biggest cheerleader, talent show, dance competitions, whatever it was, like just uh, soaking it up. So I appreciate that. 
what what's the story of your body though so you talked a little bit about like the the girl my grandmother tried to get me to wear she used to give me girdles <laughs> let me tell you what my fat is not here for <laughs> and, and I, not that i haven't worn them before but ain't nobody got time to be all tucked in like you can't breathe that's too much no you're right you know i was talking to a friend the other day and um it was coming from a male perspective um and he was like, you know, and he was 10 years, he's 10 years older than I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he says, you know, we didn't ask questions. And I was like, it's true. We didn't, you know, and I think, hi, I think you might be, you're a few years younger than I am. Um, huh? I said only a few. Only a few. Yeah. But those few make a difference because you are a little bit more, um, in touch with who you are and how you want to express. With me growing up, we kind of, I was told, you know, how to be and how to express. And I took it because these were, that was my first, these were my first relationships. These were the relationships I respected, Mm -hmm. right? So I I took them. So my grandmother said, hey, we're going to put you in a girdle so we can, you know, even out this, this little chub that you got going on here. And I was just like, you know, okay, what else did I know? I knew nothing else, but to pay attention to the women that had my best interest in mind, mm-hmm. you know, who, who, who loved me. Mm-hmm. So um, I took on that girdle, I put it on. Um, honey, I'm glad I then took it off now. <laughs> but, but depending on the dress I wear, baby, I will put on a spank. I got to have them clean lines. That that thing gotta be smooth. It's gotta be smooth. It's it's, it's got to be smooth. Um, Mine just be jiggling, jiggling, <laughs> jiggling, or you know, you got the extra the extra one fat, and then you got the other things. You know, you can smooth that thing out. You can be a big girl and still look good. You can be a big girl and still you know look smoothed out and polished. Um, polish yes and still have class and style and and not shrink when that you know that thinner girl walks in the room and she's fabulous honey we can feel like we're fabulous we know that we're fabulous too whether we're light-skinned medium brown dark brown you know um so the body image piece was super important back then being thick was not thin right being thick was not not the thing Mm -mm. um but i think that was also societal Mm -hmm. it was mass mind control over Mm -hmm. what was beauty and what was not beauty the standard of beauty and i think we were tricked um into thinking um into a european perspective which we are african people and we should have an african perspective and having an african perspective is knowing that you know thickness is a symbol of comfort Thickness is a symbol of nurturing. Thickness mm-hmm. is a symbol of womanhood. You know, even um, the designer, um, what's his name? Ooh. Uh, what? Well, I want to say Queen. Quinn. Oh, God, it's slipping my mind. He's a white guy? He's a white guy. He's done. They have, he's, he's deceased. 
he's transitioned. They've done his um, exhibit of his clothes at the Met Museum. Oh, what's his name? You're talking about um, Queen, Queen, McClin, something McClin. I know who you're talking about. It'll come to you. And yeah, I know whoever's listening to this video, you're going to know who I'm talking about. But even in his exhibit, because I went to his exhibit that was at the Met, it was when I lived in New York, he had these big, full-sized figures that he made clothing for. And in the description on these big body figures, he even said that the bigger body is the example of womanness mm. of beauty mm -hmm. I said, whoa he even knew so again you know propaganda is is a bitch it will have you changing your life and becoming bulimic and you know not loving yourself and self-hatred and you not even you know paying attention to what you have, what you've been blessed with, with your roles, your curve, your ass, your hips, your thighs, your arms, you know, like you talk about a lot, you know, um, Kyrie She, I love how you do your poetry and you talk about too much woman for this world. And that is the standard of beauty. Thickness is womanhood, honey. Mm -hmm. It's not this thin piece of nothingness. Looking like little boys. You know, it's interesting because uh, what you're talking about, so there was a shift, right, in like the 70s. And uh, because uh, up until the 70s, like, I want to say like the mid 70s, because the, the average size woman in America is like a 14, 16, right? Um, in America. Uh -huh. When you're talking about like uh, Marilyn Monroe's and like the who was on TV and things like that, those models and things, they were mm -hmm. like 14s, like they were thick women, right? And uh, yeah. it shifted in the 70s when Twiggy hit the scene. And Twiggy looked like a little boy. She had no titties, no ass, no nothing. She just was straight up, straight down like a little boy, a little 12-year-old mm. boy or something. And the photographer that worked with her um, blew her up. And Twiggy really was a shift. And I remember uh, when I started this, this journey that I went on years ago around Too Much Woman for This World, because it started off as a workshop that I did. And I remember when I unearthed that, that because of this one model, so my life and all of the self-hate and all the, the junk I felt around my body was because of this one model. <laughs> I felt like the biggest trick had been played because of one person. Well, yep. well her and the, the photographer. And that shifted yep. the whole consciousness around size and acceptance. Exactly. Even when you look at the exactly. whole the like Roman pictures of goddesses and things like that, they're all they were round, they had rolls, dimples in their booties and thighs and stuff. So, yes, right. Um, yes. what other messages did you receive about your body? Mm. So, again, being thick was not the thing, and you know, I have I came into the world with ass a lot of it, a lot of. Grande, <laughs> grande baby. And I have the body of my grandmother on my father's side who had a small waist. Mm -hmm. And um, as my uncles would say on my dad's side in B 
big hips. He would say, they didn't say ass, they say, I got the hips like your grandma. Mm-hmm. Um, I inherited her body, which takes us back to Hottentot, right? Venus Hottentot, Sarah Bartman, um, where they objectified her her body of having this enormous buttocks with this small waist and these hips. They had never seen <clears throat> nothing, nothing like it. Mm-hmm. I am, I embody the Sarah Bartman type. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, we were tricked. Not only were the women tricked to not like the thickness that they that we were born with, there was no way I could get rid of my ass. There was no way I could get rid of my hips and my little small waist and my thick thighs. There was no, I was, I came into the world like that. So me, for me to acquiesce to a thinner body mm-hmm. or, you know, you, it was just like such, it was such a disjustice, you know, for the, especially for women of color mm-hmm. who tend to come in the world thicker than, than the other women, you know, in the petticoats. You know, white women were emulating our bodies back in the 50s. The bustles and, <laughs> yeah. With the small waist and the petticoats with the butt. You know, that was an emulation of the black woman's body. Mm-hmm. But we were told and we were tricked in propaganda. The news and media told us that that wasn't the standard of beauty, which kind of was because you're getting a petticoat, but I got this already. And look at where we are today. The Nicki Minaj's and the Cardi B's, honey, buying ass. And I've been having ass ever since, ever since I came into this, this joint. Came out you know? with it. <laughs> yeah, but now, but now it's like the thing to have ass and titties. Well, honey, I've been having ass and titties, but so just like we were tricked, my grandmother was tricked, my mm-hmm. aunts were tricked, my mother were tricked. The men even were tricked, mm-hmm. right? So even though the men like to look at the bigger body, was attracted, you know, their bodies responded to a round butt and a big breast, you know, but in their mind, they were told that's not the standard of beauty. Mm-hmm. So even they, fell into the trap of not honoring what they truly was attracted to. So I was given this, this, um, this okay. picture of life that if you wasn't thin, then I wouldn't have a husband. I wouldn't have a man who, a man who truly loved me and, mm-hmm. and truly honored who I was um, because I had this thick body um, that I would always have a stigma of, of myself, you know, and girl, it's not till recently that I actually felt comfortable in a pair of shorts. Really? I would not wear shorts. Really? Yeah, recently. Wow. I was like, you know, I live in Nevada. I live in the desert. It's hella hot. And it gets hot. And what I noticed here is when my legs are out, I'm cooler. But if I have on pants or a long dress or a long skirt, trying to hide the curves, honey. I'm hot. So I'm like, uh-uh, I'm not going to be hot. So that's the firecracker that comes forward. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. I'm not being hot. I'm tired of shrinking mm-hmm. just to, um, just to not bring attention to mm-hmm. myself. 
Because it's not like at this point, no one's asking me to shrink. So at this point in my life, it's like either I'm going, I'm shrinking because that's what I'm used to doing. That's what I'm, that's what others are expecting me to do. Because at this point, it's free game. The world has changed, even though that thing is still there underlying. But when you look at it, if sisters is buying titties and buying ass, things have changed, right? So it's up to me to, to say, hey, I'm about to get free. I'm about to do this thing. I'm about to wear these shorts. I'm not talking about booty shorts. I'm not talking about, you know, my, my ass cheeks hanging out the bottom. But I'm just talking about just wearing a nice pair of shorts that look beautiful on me that I feel comfortable in. So I just recently did that, honey. And I went out into the world. And honey, I was getting all kind of looks. I said, well, I should have been doing this shit a long time ago. You know, it's so interesting. Like, there's so much in what you just said. So, um I, I always say that my, my saving grace has been that I liked me more than I hated. Um, I liked life more than I hated my body, right? Mm-hmm. I wanted to swim more than I wanted to hide. Um, I wanted to, like, you know, my favorite, I want to have tank tops on and shorts, like when I was, especially when I was younger, um, shorts or short skirts, like a mini skirt, something like that. I want, I, I want to have my body free more than I hate people seeing it. And I remember um, two, things, two things that are, have been important were, um, well, three. One, I think like I'm, even in this idea of being too much, I think there's a point where I just had to like, resist because it was too much to try to contain. Like containing myself, like, cause it's not that I, like some of the messages that you received or the, uh, you know, my grandmother's from the South too, right? So like, those things were trying, like they put those on me and trying to hold it all in was like suffocating. And like, it was too much work. And it's, suffocating. And it's hot. You hot in it. You're so, suffocating and you're hot. Exactly. So I was like, let it out. Right. So that I, is important. I think, um, I used yeah. to take, I used to uh, swim. I don't like exercising. So I usually do some kind of class, something like this. Swimming is my favorite form of exercise though. Um, and, but in college, I would always do classes like um, swimming, dance, whatever. That was my, because yeah. I'm not going to go to the gym. Like it clicked, right? There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Because the gym is boring. We have to, yeah. Yeah. Right. I get it. So I would, was take, I would take these like uh, uh, lap swim classes, right? Yeah. And, you know, growing up, the fat girls put on t-shirts because you're fat. I don't know. You're supposed to be hiding. That's right. Yourself. Or you didn't wear a swimsuit. You put on a t-shirt. Yeah. In the swimming pool, right? Well, I, I had a bathing suit on, but I had a t-shirt on over my bathing suit, right? To cover, to hide. Yeah. And I remember going to this lap swim class and I would be in the pool with my t-shirt on and my bathing suit and trying yeah. to swim. And my teacher was like, Kairishi, like, you got to stop wearing this t-shirt. It's slowing you down because also in lap swim, you're trying to like increase your, like, you want to like uh, have a faster time. You want to swim more laps in a shorter amount of time, right? And she's yeah. like, the, the t-shirt is getting in your way. It's messing up your stroke. It's in the way. You need to stop wearing this. And I'm talking about a class with primarily white folks. It's boys in the class. I'm like, maybe a sophomore, junior. I want to say like a sophomore in college. And I was like, you want me to work? <laughs> right? <laughs> and so I remember getting dressed one day and I was going to class. I was about to leave my dorm and go to class. 
I put my bathing suit on and I was about to put my shirt on and I thought about it like, am I going to do it? Am I not? Am I going to do it? Am I not? And then it occurred to me, fuck it. They know I'm fat. I know I'm fat. Like, it's not like the t-shirt is hiding the fat, right? (laughs) Whatever I'm using the t-shirt for is like, it's not like there's an illusion. Yes, psychological. Yes. Everybody knows that I am fat still, right? And my goal is to swim. So the t-shirt is really to make them feel comfortable, right? And And then, and you hide. You just hide just a little bit. A little so bit more, but you still, still hiding a little bit. So I said, I said, well, damn it. If they know I'm fat and I know I'm fat and I'm trying to swim, then they just gonna have to be uncomfortable. And that was a moment of like, and I feel like my life has been filled with those moments of pushing, of like putting on a, a bikini. Cause why can't a big woman wear a bikini? And this is before the plus, you know, a lot of the things I was doing was before this whole plus size explosion. People weren't doing this. People weren't big girls weren't just having on bikinis like no because there were none made for us so i remember there was there was none made for us there was no bikinis made for us there was all the full-size swimming suit and the swimming suit that had the little skirt the shorts yeah yeah it's only until recently Mm -hmm. that we can buy a two-piece but i was wearing a two-piece in her 2000 five four five something like that i had a a, a two-piece um I, I i took two pieces to the bahamas uh, i think that was a big a significant place for me too because that was the first time i realized I, when i was 28 i went to the bahamas and to south africa the same um in that year for the first time and how they responded to my body was completely different than people in southern california and I was like, well, if I'm the same, like, it's not like I lost weight. Like I, <laughs> I'm this way here and I'm this way here and here. And in, yeah. in these spaces, I'm celebrated. But in Southern California, I'm wrong. Like, is it me or is it the space? And that was my first kind of like unlocking of like, oh, y'all tripping. Mm-mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you're right. You're, you, baby, you are so right. Uh, it, it's interesting how, we are constantly people that are not okay with themselves mm-hmm. constantly want to put those who are trying who want to come out of boxes back into them right because i've also traveled to uh africa i've been to west africa ghana senegal and, and um the gambia also in Abidjan. and yeah the way they responded to me was totally different i've also been to jamaica as well and these international countries view the bigger woman in a whole nother understanding in a whole nother light the men do because some of the women still they get they've gotten the propaganda and the trickery too you know that that skinny is the thing you know and and this is the thing you know and some of them are like some women who are thin and have bought that who have eaten that piece of cake who have taken that pill it's almost like, I dare you show up big and beautiful. I dare you show up with this two-piece on, you know, feeling good about yourself. I dare you. So again, then there goes another, almost a fight, almost another fight that we got to fight in order to be 
the big and beautiful, voluptuous, talented, gorgeous women who we are, who we came in the world to be because everybody is not made to be thin. Look at our, look at our sister, Oprah. Mm -hmm. Every time Oprah has been her, it's been the bane of her existence. Mm -hmm. She has wanted to be thin because she lives in a world that respects thin. I'm so glad now that she's in her older ages that she's finally said, honey, this body ain't, ain't going to be thin. My psychology, my makeup is not thin. I like to eat great food. I have a rich palate, you know, um, and that's me too. You know, I, I grew up eating good food. My grandmother was, you know, she was a foodologist. She made, she would carve, girl, this is before, this was in, wow, okay, let's see. This was in like the 80s. Mm -hmm. You would take a watermelon mm -hmm. and she was self-taught and she would carve it into a whale, the tail and Ooh, everything. Mm -hmm. And she would carve another one into a basket, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, but I, I, I say that to say that there's, and she was a, she was a, a full, she had big breasts. She wasn't, she was a full body woman, but she was short and she had this sticker that would be on the refrigerator that says, I'm not fat. I'm too short for my weight. I heard that. I used to be like, can I just be taller? If I was a little taller, like. <laughs> but I think as women, that's a part of who we are, right? So I think we need to elongate our bodies. We need to sit up straight consciously. We need to elongate our backs. We need to, you know, pull up our shoulders, pull up our heads. We need to know that there's space in this world for us, that there, I, that this is a world and there's space for me. There's space for you. There's space for all of us in this world. And we need to own our space. And it's not going to be something that someone's going to give us permission to do. Yeah. You gotta We're going to have to figure it out. In, internally so we can come out externally yeah. and we can own the space that we was came here to be in to own to claim because i'm here to tell you there's space i've been humu humiliated so much so much wow. in my existence just humiliated How? just because i was a thick girl mm -hmm. you know even by my family mm -hmm. even by my family you know i've been told you know, make sure you don't have stains on you because it's nothing worse than a big girl having stains on her. Well, that could be true. There's some truth. <laughs> there's, some, there's some truth to that. You know, you can be a big girl and still be clean, still be attractive, still have, you know, manners about yourself. You know, I'm, I, you know, and, and it is. I think it is an art form to be big and still um, have a sense of your space, how you eat, how you carry yourself. I, I, I do, I do think that still, for me, for me, that, that still makes a difference. That still makes a difference. It's interesting, like, so two things. One, it almost is like this, uh, it's so unfair, it's like this, um, it's like this standard for like it's it's like the standard of perfection that that big women are forced to to, to chase. Like don't make have stains on you, so you can't have an accident. Like you can't drop anything, especially with titties, because I feel like titties be like give me some food. Like you know, I always 
find crumbs like in my bra. Like, how did that even get there? Right. So, so Lord forbid you like spill something on yourself. But I remember, so my mom used to tell me all the time when I was growing up, she'd be like, I'm so proud of how you take care of your body. I'm so proud of like the way that you take, you know, the, how clean you are and all this. And I was like, I never understood it. Right. Cause I'm like, what am I supposed, am I supposed to be dirty? But I also, when I started having sex, um, I don't have anybody who knows me knows I do not have dirty sex. That is not about to happen. Uh-uh, uh-uh. You don't what, Kai? Have dirty sex. A, a man would have to tackle me and not let me go take a shower, which doesn't really, like, that don't happen. That happened maybe, and if that's somebody who I was, like, really, like, we have been kicking it, right? And that was a clear choice, because I was like, I got to go get in the shower, and he needs, was like, uh, I want you now. I was never, ever, ever going to be the fat, stinky girl. Ever. The what? That stinky girl. <laughs> I was never going to be the girl that they was going to be talking about. Like, you, Kairishi's name was not going to be floating around. <laughs> Yo, I, I fucked her and she smelled like, no, that was not, that was not going to be my story, right? Right. And then I remember when I got to Oakland, hearing that, like, fat girls had to pay what they weigh. And... Ooh. I had never heard that before. So those those kind of three things for me were really interesting. Like this idea that as a big woman, I had to pay a tax that skinny girls don't. And especially because when I talk to guys, guys talk about skinny girls, um, their bodies stinking or whatever, but that's never the story that we hear. Like, I think there are women who take care of themselves and women who don't. There are men who take care of themselves and men who don't. But, yeah. but we are fixate, like people talk about big girls being nasty or dirty or stinky and that like there's something that's just really like not okay to me about that that idea it's true it it, it, it's true again we've been tricked we've been tricked to think that if you're thicker then you may have uh, an odor um if you're thin that you may not but we all know to this day that it's all about how you were taught. How to you care know, for yourself. To, to, to care, care for yourself. And, and that is, it is a teaching. Um, so if we have our little, our young girls, whether this is colorless, this goes across the gamut of cultures, mm-hmm. but we have to teach our little girls how to wash their bodies, what spaces to wash, what little crevices to get into. We have to be taught. I remember being taught how to wash, how to bathe, what part I need. Even a wipe. And how to wipe. And, oh, how to wipe. Yes, you gotta wipe. You cannot wipe back to front. You gotta wipe front to back, honey. Yes, yes. So there's there's these this, etic- this etiquette that we have to teach our children and it starts young um, because we don't come up knowing that piece. We just come up, we we're born into our bodies, but we have to be taught and nurtured and molded and, um, and given the, 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 the beautiful tools of how to be a, a woman of cleanliness, because if you're not taught, then mm, you don't know, you don't know. 
people don't know what they don't know too like you know? even for boys i mean this transcends right this transcends just girls even for 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 boys boys needs to be taught too honey you gotta be taught i'm not a boy i don't know what to teach i don't have a son but um child i know that i've run across some men that have an older and whether they're thick or not yeah and then i run across men who are just super clean and shiny and you know so they were taught something as well even like this this guy who's like one of my favorite lovers uh he's uncircumcised and his mm. his penis smells the best. How, how did i know you was gonna bring sex up in this yeah. <laughs> it's the I, southern I, in me that got me a little bit like okay we're going there I'm not going to live there, but I'm just saying, like, we're talking about cleanliness, right? And, like, coochies be stinking, like, penises be stinking, especially uncircumcised. And if you don't know, if nobody's ever taught you how to clean your penis, like, that's problematic. But, it, and I, so, you know, some, you might think that it's because it's uncircumcised, but not this man who I love having sex, he smells divine, like, and he's uncircumcised. Somebody taught him well how, how to, to take care pull of Pull back the foreskin, clean up in there. Yes, taught him well. Yeah, because as women, you know, there's a stigma around men who are not circumcised and um, us being get, getting yeast infections um, from men who are uncircumcised. As a, you know, as a woman and how we move in our circles, we talk about sex and, and that's one of them. One of them is men who are uncircumcised, we tend to get yeast infections. It's because of the foreskin that's not clean and that has bacteria inside mm-hmm. of it. Um, so yes, it is very important for a man who is uncircumcised to know the proper way to clean, uh, for his sake, for him to not have a odor and for the woman's sake, for her to not, um, be subject to a yeast infection. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the last thing I was going to say, um, that you brought up that was really powerful for me. It's interesting. Um, I'm listening cause I'm in a, a mode of writing my own book and, um, okay. Congratulations on that. I can't wait. Thank you. <laughs> but you know, we, um, so I'm, I'm like ingesting books. So I just got done reading, listening to this book called Heavy. Um, I was telling you about it. It's so good. But um, it, he's talking about his life and he talks about his body and his weight in a way that I never thought about big men. Like mm. there, there are insecurities and things that he's dealt with that are similar to me. That I'm like, mm. oh, they're part of like fat girl culture. Like I always think about it as fat girl culture, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, right. They got we never like, look at it from the men's perspective. Exactly, right? And so, um, and but but then there are times when I'm with women, and 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 this is to me one of the powers of this podcast is that we get to tell people secrets, right? So you're saying that you were told that you would never get a husband, that you would never have somebody love you, all those things. In my one woman, so I, so this podcast is born out of my one woman show, mm-hmm. too much mm-hmm. woman for this world. Yeah. And when I wrote it, um, you know, writing it was healing and then performing it was another layer has been another layer of healing. And one of the things I noticed is how many times I was told that in order to have somebody, I needed to lose weight or yeah. that because I was fat, I wasn't going to get somebody right. And it's been a lot of the undoing of the junk in my head because it was told to me over and over and over again. My uncle, there's a a scene in my show where my uncle is like, um, 
you ain't ever going to get nobody. And I'm like, you're tripping. If you think I don't get men, you're tripping, right? And he's like, sure. Uh, they might play with you a little, but they're not going to marry you. Don't nobody want no fat girl. Like, it's this whole thing, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and, and, and what I highlight in the show is that I believed it. Like, in, in my mind. Yeah. I really Because believed. that's our first family. That, that, that's our first family. We have to undo a lot of the shit that they've said to us yep. based on their realities and, and what they've decided to take on as their reality. And then they put it on the next generation. Um, so then we got to, then we're left with it and we got to unwork it, undo it, clean up the blood, you know, undo the curse. And with that comes a whole lot of other things. We can't just decide to undo the curse. We got to like go in. You know, we got to go in in terms of what we eat, our food, cleaning up our blood, meditation, positive affirmations. We, girl, we got to unwork that thing from the root. And sometimes we got to pull the root up. Yep. Yep. And and call a thing a thing. And, Mm. you know, I've, I've, it's funny because I've talked to my uncle, I've told him about the, the piece. And he laughs. He's like, you crazy as hell. He's like, that never happened. Like, he doesn't even, you know, and, and that, that's the reality, right? Like, we cause harm. People cause harm all the time, unconsciously. And we don't, because it didn't happen to us, we don't hold it. So he mm-hmm. doesn't hold it, right? Yeah, he don't even remember. He thinks I'm tripping. He, I'm telling you, he laughed at me. And, and I, he probably told you that 20 eight years ago he told me when i was 25 still holding it and he don't even remember he said some stuff like that girl i'm telling you he laughs at me but but this 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 was a pivotal moment a shift in my life (laughs) like it it like it was one of the fingerprints in my life right yeah it impacted me on such a severe level and for him it was like saying good night um But uh, one of the things with that, like one of the things that, and I'm curious if it's similar for you, and you know, I deal with younger dudes, um, and I'm bigger than I've ever been in my life. Interesting. Um, it, it is interesting you deal with uh, younger men, because I tend to like older men. I know you do, and I, I, I'd be like, oh, you feel old. <laughs> I don't feel old. I actually feel no. very young. I, I feel older with a younger man. That's when I feel old. No, with I'm the older that. men. Not you, the I feel men. Very young. The men, I'd be like, "Oh, you are old." Mm-mm. Oh, <laughs> I'd be like, "You're, you're old." <laughs> yeah, but but my thing is wisdom, right? So I, if I'm 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 heady. So for me, older men stimulate my intellect. They mm-hmm. stimulate my mind because they've had life. They've had life experiences. So when I like just sitting and talking to them and they're chivalrous, mm-hmm. right? So they come from an era where opening doors and um, paying for dinner and holding your hand and, you know, just these, you know, this unspoken understanding of a man and a woman. I feel like I get that more with an older man than I do a younger man. Um, I don't want to teach. There's still a part of me that's still undeveloped in terms of a woman, because, you know, as, you know, in our culture, we've had to grow up much faster. We were given way, a lot, way too much. You know, I remember my family telling me when I was 
18, 17 years old that, you know, a man, when you sleep with him, he leaves his stuff in you and you are left to clean it up and he gets to walk away. Who says that to a 17 year old? You know, like, you know, it's just so much undoing. And it was a very, and it's true. You know, it is true. I have to say, we are the holders. We're the bowls. Men are, they're, they're external. We're internal. So yes, they do leave things in us. I don't let them. <laughs> you said you let them, Kai? Energetically, I feel like, because uh, I know what they're talking about. They're talking about like soul ties and stuff like that, right? The energy of them. No, being- not even just the energy. No, the actual physical part. So you oh, know, they're talking about letting you. Oh, no. He leaves his stuff in you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was told that you know, at, at a young age. So again, these are just, these are things that as a culture, that's why I think rites of passages are so important. Definitely. Like even as adult, like from go every 10 years, I think a woman should have in a man, in a man should, should have, have a rites of passage. You know, right. going from, from 20s into your 30s, there should be a rites of passage. From your 30s to your 40s should be a rice patch. From your 40s to your 50s should be a rice patch. We should have a rice patch. We should start something like this because we're so damaged as a culture because we've been fed the Kool-Aid, you know, and we've drank the Kool-Aid and we've asked no questions about it of how we are expressing, but we can see it in our relationships. Mm-hmm. We can see it that they're the with majority. Your yourself. Huh? You can see it with your relationship with yourself, like before you- With ourselves and with our relationships with Mm -hmm. others. You know, we're the, black women are the most, are the highest single amongst every culture. And why, why is that? You know, why, why is that? What, what do we play into for that to be our trajectory? Mm -hmm. What, what was told to us? For that to be our trajectory. Why don't we have more of our men than other cultures? Yes, I understand why some of it is economics. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of our men moved over to the other sides and play, play, are playing on the other teams due to economics. Mm-hmm. Plain and simple, hands down. Even Black women going over to the other teams. Economics. But you know, I, I was reading something. Huh? I said, and self-hate. And self-hate. I was reading something that said that um, white men or any other man will get the baddest black woman, right? She's just, she's just, she's beautiful. She's pretty. She, you know, she's successful in her own right. She's this, she's that. She's, you know, the nine, whatever the standard is, right? Mm -hmm. But black men will get well, don't go for the dime pieces, if you would. Don't go for the highly intellectual other race culture. They'll go for the one that that wants him, I guess, or that gets him. So I'm just, you know, there's this whole paradigm. There's this paradigm shift that needs to happen culturally. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it's too late for that because, you know, the new black is definitely going to be a biracial type of situation, a mixed type of gender, um, because that's just what it is. Black and Black is not procreating at a rate that Black and other cultures are procreating. 
So we're going into a world of mixed race. Um, so there, there's something to say about that, but there's also some lessons. That's why within that piece, Kai, I think that's why it's so important for you to do your work. Because what I do know, my wisdom tells me is that these babies who are biracial mixed babies, that they're going to come looking for us. Mm. They're going to come looking for their black baby. And we better have left something in this world to give to them so they can mimic like the Nina Simone that have given to us, the Maya Angelos who have given to us, the, the James Baldwin's who have given to us, the Nikki Giovanni's who are still given to us. You know what I'm saying? So we better do our work because these babies, they're going to come looking for the, the melanin. They're going to come looking. You know, so, it's, go ahead. it's interesting. I don't know. I understand what you're saying. I don't know if it's true. I think that that's some of the propaganda too. If you watch on TV, like the way commercials are happening, things are happening, they're constantly pairing black women with white men, black men with white women or non-black women. Um, I don't know, like when I actually, I was listening to you and I was thinking like, is that real or is that uh, what is fed to us? Because when I live in a very black world, like even here in, in Houston, like I am a part of a black poly BDSM community, right? Like, and they're, they're pro primarily black folks messing with black folks. Um, okay. I, like the world that I move in is very, is very black. <laughs> like, yeah, because you're in a state that is but very even, black. But even in Oakland, like I'm, I was with black, like I saw black people being with black people. Like, so I, I'm I'm curious if that is, and not that not that there is not a mixing happening, right? And I think people are mixing. Like I think Asians and Latinos are mixing together. Like I think people, yeah. there's mixture, yeah. happening, right? There's a super mix happening. And and if we were to do the numbers, if we were to crunch the numbers and get the statistics, you know how the Census Bureau does a census on mm -hmm. how many families are in a household and this type of thing, like a mass census. So there's a mass census done in terms of mixed and biracial coupling and babies that are born. Black women are not having statistically mm -hmm. the amount of children with black men that we've had before. Mm -hmm. Latinas are in the running. They are number one. They are breeding more babies into the world. Secondly, is biracial, huh? Some of that is called Catholicism. It, there you go. There you go. But but even though they believe in they believe in families, right? So the Latina community believes more in families. I remember, you know, even for my own self personally, mm -hmm. my family, my mom would say, "We don't talk about babies in this house." What is that? And I know I'm not the only one came up with that, that ideology. We don't talk about babies in this house. So there was a stigma around having children because I think, why? Because I think there's a lot of us, black on black, not exclusively because every culture has this, mm -hmm. but I think we're higher in the ratings um, of, being, of, of being unwedded of having non-support in our communities, of not bonding together as we should. 
there's 50 states in this United States of America. And there's certain states that are more communal in terms of black culture. In Texas, you're in one of them right now. Mm -hmm. In California, you were not, I am not. In Nevada, I am not in that kind of state. But if I were to go to, I was just talking to a friend and I said, you know, I think big women need to go to big states that respect bigness. Very true, very true. Right, Because so you agree that there are states that don't respect the bigness. They don't respect the thickness. They don't respect the ass, the thighs, the titties. They don't, but there are some states where, honey, the men move out the way and let you pass. Mm-hmm. They open your door. They see you as being the standard. For some other states, that's not the case. It's the places where Black people are not marginalized. So even when we're talking about the countries, out um, like the the Africas and the, the um the um. Uh, islands and things like that where black people are not marginalized meaning there are big numbers of black people uh and uh a white aesthetic is not the thing that is primarily valued so then you see black people valuing similar to your at uh, your african art right like um i think that that is that's what happens in those states uh where there are more black folks in a place like california or nevada there are lower numbers significantly lower numbers of black people and a white aesthetic is what is is valued that said like even in california though like one of the things that i've been very uh proud of are all the men around me who are fathers and these are black men having most like when i think about the the men in my life and they're not even just in california um that have babies they're having babies with black women like and and their fathers like they're stepping yeah we gotta honor them we gotta honor that absolutely because there are men yeah absolutely we gotta honor that i'm so glad you brought that up and there's a lot of it's a shift it is a shift and big ups to the black men who are choosing black women having black babies Mm -hmm. i mean like some people will see this interview and say, oh, well, then why, why is that an issue? Or why, what's, what's up with that? This is not well, for them. you know. <laughs> this is not for them. <laughs> but if they do see this, I, I want to address them, mm-hmm. you know, I, because they matter. We all matter. I want to say it matters because there's a place in this world for me as a black woman and I want to be honored in that way. I want to be honored of my counterpart choosing me. I want to be honored for my counterpart, my black man, choosing to be in family and relation and union with his community, with the reflection of him. That matters to me. So this is why we're having this conversation. And this is why it's important for that piece to be um, addressed because it matters. I have had to work on not having animosity in the world when I see a Black man with another race Mm -hmm. because ultimately his legacy is going to go to that race and it's going to leave our race and go to that race. Well, that's a piece for me, you know, that that's a piece for me. I want to be seen and I want him to, um, and this is a vulnerable thing that I'm about to say. I just won't 
to say that, that I want my black men to be, to feel comfortable in my presence. Now that's not gonna happen all across the board because we do come with a sass that is different from another race. We do come with a, um, a sense of responsibility and accountability that we were given from our mothers. So some of it that we can't even help going out and being that go-getter, going out and working, going. And honey, and our black men that link up with us, they expect that from us. They're like, honey, somebody got to do it. Okay, I pulled the AM shift. You got the PM shift. Like, I mean, like, there's this, there's this balance. You know, there's this balance that black men and black women have that we have to like be like, okay, well, you know, this, this is what it is. I would like, I mean, so Kai, let me ask you a question. What's that? Do you think it's realistic? Because it seems like it's realistic from other cultures, but do you think it's realistic for a black woman to want a black man to take care of her? Uh, how do I want to answer that? Um, yeah, that's a piece. Uh, what, I think, what I think is, so um, as you were talking, one of the things I was thinking about, um, I'm watching this show called This Is Us. I don't know if uh -huh. you've ever seen it. It's really good. You should watch it. It's called This, this Is Us. Is it um, the ones with... The ones with what? Is it the one with um, the the Hollywood producer that did Blackish? I don't know. It has, uh, I don't know. Uh, this black boy was, uh, this black man was adopted by this white family and it's the story of their family, right? But he was, so he was adopted by this white family, but his wife is black and they have black daughters. <laughs> in episode I watch, I'm like starting, it's, it's like five seasons in now, they're on their fifth season. So I just started watching. So I'm in second season and the episode I was watching last night, this woman was like asking if his wife was white because he's like uh, all proper and all this stuff. He said, listen, he said, I go to bed next to a headscarf and coconut coconut oil every night or shea butter or something like that. He was like, I, my wife is black, period. Like, he was like, don't get it twisted. So, um, but when, when, when you were talking, I was thinking about their relationship because their relationship is beautiful. And it's beautiful because they are partners. They are partners in love. And it's beautiful how they fight, how they make space for each other, how they hold each other, how they see each other. Um, and how they're working through. And he was he was working and she was at home and then he quit his job and now she's working and he's at home. And they're talking about parenting. And and I, I think that that, I think what, what, what should happen, right? Is that we should be taking care of each other. And I think that that is realistic, right? And I think yeah. we, part of the mind fuck that you were talking about is also around finances, right? And we think about like um, what money is, like taking care of me looks like this. Well, I don't necessarily need a man to take care of me financially, right? I'm not, um, that would be beautiful, right? But that's also not my need. Um, I'm not um, prissy and helpless. Like there are a lot of ways that I don't need a man to show up for me. But I would really, really, really love a man who was like, baby, I got you. Let me take your car for the week. You take mine. And he goes and he gets it detailed. He gets the oil changed. All the things that I don't want to do, he does those things. That would be like, 
that would be like a, a diamond ring for me. <laughs> you can't. So, so it's interesting because you say that. So I heard you say two things. I heard you say, I don't need a man to take care of me. But what I would like is for a man to support me and do the things that you said that you wouldn't want to do. Mm-hmm. I want him to That's a sticky gray area because mm-hmm. if you want the man to do the things that, that you don't want to do, that's still taking care of you. And I think as black women, I, I don't, and I don't know if other cultures, I can't speak for that. So let that be a disclaimer. I am in a black woman's body. I'm in a black woman's skin. I'm in a black woman's experience. Mm-hmm. Consciously, I create my reality. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, so not just saying that it's just a black woman thing. I do create my realities. But sometimes I wonder when I say to myself, yeah, I would like to be taken care of and cared for in a way that I was not taught to be taken and cared for. Mm-hmm. In a way that was not the example, you know, because I look at other women, whether they're black, white, or other, who have a nice balance, who who can exist within a nice balance. So a a part of me is like, do we feel that we're not going to get it? So we don't expect. So I, so when I was saying it and I should have been clear, but like, I'm thinking about like a a man to like financially take care of, like for him to just like, I, like I have a job. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, like I, I I can work. We're workers. Yeah. Yeah. And we work. I would, but, but be clear too. I also, if I met the dude that was like, um, I'm going to fund your art. <laughs> In your book, because it's going to take money to do a book. Or, or like you, money. I'm, I'm going to take care of your needs while you do your art. Right. Or whatever. Right. Like that, that would be beautiful. I guess what I'm saying is I want somebody who can love on me the way that I want to be loved on and not the ways not from this other lens of like this is a this traditional thing like I don't yeah, need, okay I see what you're saying I don't you're need saying. to shower with flowers that are gonna die I don't need to have hella jewelry like th- those things aren't really important to me right but taking care of my car like when I think about like that like that turns me on come because I don't want to do it <laughs> go get my stuff detailed like I don't want to do that I like um, that that excites me, right? And I do think, but and then there are ways that I would love on him that 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 feel good to him, right? But I think that I actually think that men, black men, need to be thinking about this. Um, and I say black men because we're talking about black folks. Um, they need to pick women where they can also be the inside of the spoon, because you know the thing is that all of us have trauma. Like to be black in this country means that you have layers and layers. I call it complex, com- compound complex trauma, right? Yes. So it's not just that I was fat. It's not just that I'm black. It's not just that I'm female. It's not just that my mother had cancer and that when she was mentally ill and like whatever all the other stuff was, right? All collide. And so even when you're talking about unlearning, there's so many layers of unlearning that happen. Unlearning. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And I think what we don't own as black people is that our counterparts have 
the same amount of trauma. And so to, to love, that, that to me, that's why when we say like black love is revolutionary, it's an act of revolution because what it takes to take somebody and all of their trauma and to connect and, and to work on it with them and, and your own shit, that's, that's not easy lifting. Yeah, no, it's not a small feat. Yeah. No. And, 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 and bruh over there. So even when you're talking about choosing the other teams or whatever, they might not have had, they, they got, everybody got trauma, but everybody doesn't have compound complex trauma. And just to be black, if we didn't take care of nothing, if we didn't add anything else to the pot, just to be black in this country is a chore. Just to be black in this country is scarring, right? Yeah. And that's yeah. not even adding, if you were molested, if whatever, abandoned, whatever the things are, that's before we even add all of that. Just being black is problematic. So, um, but real quick, I wanted to say as we close, like um, that, the, that even though I'm bigger than I've ever been in my life, I also like the level of play and like, Listen, I was in Walmart the other day and you know, I'm disabled. So I'll be in the cart, <laughs> in the little disabled cart. Girl, I caught a man in Walmart the other day in the cart. I said, ooh, Kairishi, in the cart. You create your reality. Hella fat, hella disabled. You create your reality. So there's something it's still in you that knows that you, you, you know, that wants love, that wants attraction. And I, I think we create our reality through our thoughts, Kai. So there's something in you that is still creating the thoughts of connection with the opposite sex, with men. And it's coming in, whether you're in a cart, whether you're on crutches, whatever. whether you, whatever. wherever, you know, whether you got one eye closed, wear a patch, I mean, what the hell, you. But I think, it, it, but I think it, that's important because when we go back to the idea of, nobody's going to love you or you're not going to be with anybody because you're big. Um, when I was younger, I really like, there's so much self-hate and stuff that I held on to about my body in, re re in relationship to men that yeah. like, just, it was imaginary. Like it just wasn't real at mm -hmm. all. And I'm bigger than ever. And I'm dealing with dudes that were like, like I'm talking about like when I was in my early twenties and 25 and stuff like that, like, the, the scars that I developed or carried um, and I'm dealing with guys those that age and like they love me love this big old body love these curves love my belly love it love it what um what what message would you give to your younger self what would you tell her what's some advice I would tell her to rub it and love it, mm. rub it and love it. So the stomach, rubber and lover. That's rubber and lover. The thighs, rub her and lover. And envision the love that she really wants to experience, mm -hmm. and know and believe that she can have it. Definitely. Regardless, unapologetically, mm -hmm. unapologetic. And I would also tell her to be okay with being alone 
meaning like walking in the world in your power. Because everybody can't, won't get with it. Won't get with her, her power. But I'll tell her to own, own your power. Stand in it. Because those who will, will and are. And that way, when we have to come back to this, because I believe in reincarnation. I believe we come back to learn lessons. We're here to learn lessons. We come back in different forms. Whether you know, I might come back as a Filipino woman next time. I have no idea. Um, but to stand in her power, stand in it, own it. I have. To, I hate to use the word effort, but effort, because ultimately this is our journey. I would tell her this is this is your journey. You you know, they're they're the older people would tell us. We came in this world by ourselves. We're going out of this world by ourselves. Mm-hmm. We got to lay in our own casket or be cremated in our own jar. Mm-hmm. So if that's the case, live it. Do you? Yep. Live have, it. Have you ever had the experience where, um, where you've been like with a guy and he grabs your belly? Yes. And they love it. <laughs> You're so silly. I'm blushing because every time you talk about sex, it, it takes me to this other place. So I, <laughs> so I am totally blushing, but I'm comfortable with talking about sex. But you, you know, you guys, you got a whole nother understanding about the details <laughs> and what you express. I'm a little bit, um, I think that's that age difference in, in us, my friend. Ooh, um, that's really what it is yeah. so wait so your question to me was about my belly yeah like I think okay, okay. I, I'm gonna tell you something I'm gonna give you a little story okay so recently um I have spent been spending time with this with this wonderful man and about um, like years older than you yes he's older than me not a lot 10 he's 10 years which is good. 10 years is good because I have a lot of wisdom. You know, I think I'm an old soul. Um, so 10 years is good. He keeps, you know, he keeps my mind simulated. So we are, um, <clears throat> I'm, we're traveling. I went to see him. He lives not in Nevada mm-hmm. and we are somewhere and I'm taking pictures and I'm like, Hey, take a picture of me. Right. So I, for some reason on this trip, I kept wanting to take pictures with trees. Mm-hmm. Um, and we know what the tree represents, right? Rooted, grounding, stability, longevity, right? So I want to take a picture with tree. So I'm taking a picture. I, I, it's the third tree that I want, I see and I want to take a picture with. And I'm literally like hugging the tree and mm-hmm. loving the tree. And I'm like all into the tree, honey. So I, after the picture, I said, I should have held in my stomach after the picture. His reply to me was, don't worry about that. So cool. So cool. Yes, it's outside validation. I get that. I was okay with my stomach because I wore the thing that I wore, but I thought about my picture and I was like, I should have just kind of like sucked it in a little bit. That's that girdle mindset, right? That's that's that girdle mindset. Mm -hmm. But here this man is. Mm -hmm. 
black man is saying, don't, don't, you know, don't worry about that. And I'm like, wow, yes, don't. I was like, okay, shit, I won't. All you got to do is be like, baby, I dig it. Because I dig me. So of course it's natural. I think it's human nature to want somebody else to dig you. You know, let's just, I'm not confused by, I'm not confused with being free and being human. I'm not confused by that. Definitely. I had, right. mm-hmm. I had this experience, uh, this guy that I deal with sometimes, um, I've known him for years and years and years, and he was coming to town and uh, we were going to hang out and I was feeling really fat. This summer I was feeling like so fat um, and just like, ugh, that's what I was feeling like, ugh, right? Ugh. Yeah, I get it. I was like, oh, I wish he was going to come like in a month. I need to like exercise or something. I don't know what I thought I was going to do like in a month, but I just needed to not. But you know, hey, you're, you're, you're good at fasting, honey. You will fast in a minute. I'm going on I'd be like, damn, okay. Yeah, I've done I've done two fasts since COVID and in December, I'm going to do my third one. Like, See, you own them fast, honey. But I, I think your fast is more emotional internally. You know, I don't think it's to lose weight. I think your fast is to fast, is to go into a different, is to do a paradigm shift. Mm-hmm. When you fast, I've known you for many years. Mm-hmm. And every time I've seen you go into a fast, it's really around your mindset, mm-hmm. around your paradigm shifts, around what, you, you know, creating another reality for yourself. Mm-hmm. Yes, it can translate into weight, but that's not really why you do it. I don't think. Am I right or am no, I? No, that's definitely. It. And I don't want cancer. To be to be honest, like uh, you know, a lot of the disease that happens in our bodies happens in our colons, and I, you know, and I also I eat junk, and so I I feel like you need tune ups, <laughs> like get let's get the junk out, um, or whatever. So yeah, but both of those reasons, it's never because I you, I also just don't lose weight my <laughs> fast. Like you don't. I've never lost like remarkable amounts of weight and I just did like a, in uh August I did like a 40-day fast right a 40-day <laughs> I didn't lose so late but anyways so I just was like oh my god I wish he would like just come in a month or whatever I fuck it he's coming let me just jump but I was feeling really bad about my belly like my belly is so big like my titties and my belly were close right just ugh. anyway <laughs> so he gets in the <laughs> Excuse me. I had a drink and it went down the wrong pipe. You all right? Girl, yes. I'm. You know, it's so cool for us. Let me just sidebar real quick. It is super cool for us to like do these live platforms and not feel like, for me, not feel like it, I have to be perfect. Exactly. Like it went down the wrong pipe and I can say, oh Lord, wait. <laughs> it went down the wrong pipe, cut, time out, wait, hold on, let me just wipe my little tears because my, my drink went down the wrong pipe. Okay. That's another level of self-love is to like not be trying to be perfect. And yeah. we're by, I mean, like we're doing this and it's going to be put out to the world where we're clear that we're human beings having this, this other experience on another yeah. plane. So yes, please finish. So the titties was meeting the belly. Yeah, I just was feeling fat. Like I was <laughs> feeling fat in my belly and I just was not feeling sexy. 
But I was like, whatever, because I'm also more of a whore than, like I said, like I I love life more than I hate my body. So even feeling that fat, I was going to go get me something, right? So anyway, I went to go pick him up and um, he gets in the car and I was like, you know, I would, I'm wearing short dresses and shit. And um, he looking at me, but he looking at me like I'm a buffet, like I'm a whole ass buffet, right? And he grabbed my thighs and he, I think I got to a light. I stopped at the light and he like, he said, move your hand. And he grabbed my belly. And I said, and he's just talking about like how sexy my belly is. And, and I was like, wow, like women and men really look at things very different. Cause to him, I'm looking at it like mortified. Like I wish he wouldn't see me like this. It's this whole yeah. other thing. And he's yeah. looking at it like, I just need to touch it. It's yummy. It's yummy. Yeah. So, and for me, Kai, my belly is, um, and, that, and that's what you described, actually. We're, we're talking about the same thing because I sometimes ask for a man to touch my belly. Mm. I actually say, can you rub my stomach? Because mm-hmm. if he rubs it, then that means I'm connected to it. I'm not saying that it's outside of myself and it's not there because we cut off different parts of our bodies. Mm-hmm. Psychologically, it's like not even there, mm-hmm. right? So if I ask, can you rub my belly? Mm-hmm. And he rubs it and he's okay with it and you know, and, and, he, and I'm okay with it, then okay, we got, we can do this. There, mm-hmm. there's, something, there's something going on, going on here, Definitely. you know? Um, but there is a piece that we didn't talk, we, we touched on abuse. Mm-hmm. And abuse can come in different forms. It can mm-hmm. come verbally, physically, mentally, and spiritually. Mm-hmm. And as women, all women, that's a piece whew, that's deep. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of time abuse is generational. Mm-hmm. It's generational curses, mm-hmm. you know, and then we can be abused even by women mm-hmm. and our families. Mm-hmm. Being a, a, a non-traditional bodied individual. Yeah. So we have to be careful of that, but it's only when we're, when we've done the internal work, when we've accepted, when we've done self-acceptance and we've done self-love, that we can start to see the abuse really clearly. Because mm-hmm. if we're not loving ourselves, we really don't see it. Mm-hmm. When we start loving ourselves and we start accepting who we are, we see that shit so clear. Mm-hmm. So clear. That's been my experience. Because mm-hmm. um, like I said, I've had women in my own family say she'll never have this she's too big don't have stains on you oh and this is the worst one you're too pretty to be so big my mom in my show i wish you uh, i can't wait for you to see my one woman show i think i'm gonna produce it uh digitally uh virtually um in like march or something but um but my, my mom says that to me um pumpkin you're so pretty don't you want to lose weight? Like she used to say that to me all the time. And don't you want to get married? Don't you want a man? Like my stepfather told me that um, I couldn't be famous because big women weren't famous. I mean, just all the things like just, just 
and, and all the things. Yeah. yeah. And 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 you know what's interesting is whatever the stereotype is of the fat lazy person, that's not who I was. I mean, I'm lazy, like I don't want to clean up because whatever I'm lazy in that way. But I played sports, I danced, I was moving, I rode my bike, like I was active, I swam, I did everything. I'm talking about I was the kid that we got to the beach. They'd have to make me get out of the water to come eat. And then I was like, right. Oh, I used to hate when you eat and then they make you sit there for like 20, 30 minutes so your food could digest. Right. I want to be back in the water, right? Like I was that kid, like from the time we hit there to the time we left. You know, when before my knees got bad, if you saw me in a club, from the time I hit the club to the time I left, I was in the middle of the floor. You were on the dance floor. Yes. Yes. I know. That is who I have been. Yes. And so it wasn't even like I was just, um, yeah, just like, like, like they treated me like I wasn't even moving. They treated me like I was just this fat blob that was just going to kind of like, I don't know, um, not even disappear, but like blow up or something. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but they, they, my family primarily, friends, people, um, even like, so I'll tell you this. I took this Pilates class last night and I've been going to Pilates since I moved out here. And, um, and the, the studio is really cool. I really mess with them. You know, I'm trying to strengthen my legs so that I can start dancing again. And um, I take it with this new teacher and I had to, in, I had to interface her body shit. And so she kept like, one, she would tell me to do things that I couldn't do, but I can't do them because my ankles are weak. Like I have injuries, right? And I know my body. So I've, I've been doing it. So I already have the modifications and she's not really, she's not really like looking at my body, like, um, honestly, because if she did, she would understand that I was modifying for different reasons. Right. So I'm, but I'm having to like advocate for myself and tell her like, no, I'm not going to do that. I do it this way because, but I've already been working with teachers. Like I already know how, how to do the things I'm doing. Um, and then she was like, but I'm so proud of you. I'm just so proud of you. I'm just so happy you're here. You did really good. Oh my God. Like, uh, yeah, like, uh, she was talking about my carriage and she was like, your posture and everything. You're like so, so good. Like, I'm, I'm just so proud of you. And I was like, I'm a dancer. And she's like, oh my God, like you're just, but it was all her. Like, I can't believe you're fat. <laughs> that you're and you can do these things and you can have this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it, it's such a trip because my other teachers there are not like that. Um, and, and I was like, like, I had to just be like, okay, okay. Like, even when I was leaving, like, she just kept putting all her stuff, but it's her amazement that I was big body in this class. Cause that's not her frame. You know what I mean? Right. And I just was kind of like, I don't have time to engage your fat shit. <laughs> I just, I just don't like, I just came, it's, it's Wednesday night. I just came to exercise. That's it. Like, none of this is about you at all. That, that's interesting how that happens, right? How we tend to have to defend ourselves within our, in our or, body because of other people's stuff. Yeah. Really. Yeah. yeah. But you know, Kai, um, so be it. Because ultimately, your goal was that you went there to get your exercise. Mm-hmm. I just was like, we got to meet other people and their stuff. I guess that's our journey. And we're there to show them that what they think is not actually true. Oh my God. 
Oh We've God. been set to be that paradigm shift. I think every space you go into, you're creating a paradigm shift for all the people that's looking at you. Definitely. And I think that's for all of us. Definitely, definitely. I think that's for all of us. We're putting spaces and places for a reason mm-hmm. to grow and to change and to transform ourselves and the environment around us. Mm-hmm. So if that's it, I'm cool with that. I'm cool with that. I'm cool with being put in spaces. To Only be kind of though. Like, um, I won't take her class again. Like, I don't want to deal with her. So it was mm. cool that moment. She got the taste of me, whatever paradigm shift she got, but I wouldn't take she her. She got class. right. Um, because I also know that it doesn't have to be like that. You know, I've been blessed um, throughout like my life dancing to have teachers who were like, Big, your big butt better come over here and work that body. Okay. That weren't, that weren't like, no. And there were only a few moments in my life where I had teachers who were like, wait, you want to dance? Wait, you you want to do this? And similarly at my at the Pilate studio, they're like, hey girl, like, come on, like, come on. Where it's celebrated, but not from this kind of like, oh, I feel so sorry for you, little fat girl. Wow, congratulations. You did the splits. You know what I mean? Like, they're like, they actually see me. And this was one of those moments of like, just, it just didn't feel good. And I was like, mm, I'm not taking her class no more. Cause I also, we also, as much as I want to take up space, like my space is not about you. And I'm not, I just don't want to be, I don't want to be in a place where I have to make them feel good about me being fat. I understand that. So I guess, and you, and you know, this is going way longer because this is such a loaded conversation. Mm-hmm. Because then I, I have to ask you, because you know, we learn from each other, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's what f- true friendships do. But, and, you know, we got to get out of our egos and not compare ourselves amongst ourselves, but truly learn from one another. So I guess my question to you is, is that you said you're not going to go back to her class. Mm-hmm. Get it. I get it. But at, at what point do we face adversity or face her her stuff and still get what we need you know what I'm saying like do we because I'm at a point where I feel like I've ran I've ran from situations yes there's a point where you have to love yourself and say you know what I'm, I'm good I'm 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 totally good if you know someone is deliberately trying to pamper your spirits or downplay you or abuse you or uh, bring you into a shame type of guilt trip. That's a whole nother situation. But for somebody that is oblivious to a big girl and oblivious to a big girl being a beautiful dancer who knows how to stretch her arms and, and be eloquent, be eloquent. And, you know, and, and that's you. She have had no experience with that. At what point do we not run? So I, I hear that, right? And, I, and I'm not running. Like, there are a bunch of other I'm not saying you're running. Well, I'm, I'm just saying, like, what, at what point do we say, you know, this person doesn't meet me where I am, but I'm not going to, like, let it hinder my, my journey. I remember when I, uh, I used to uh, work in Idlewild in Southern California, and um, it's an arts camp. And I, I wanted to take this ballet class 
And I had other dance teachers there that whose classes I would take. Um, and they got me, they knew, you know, they knew whatever. And yeah. that's, the majority of my teachers in my life have not made me feel bad about my body. Like I had this teacher named uh, Clifford Breland and Cliff was like, um, black man in Southern California. He was like, uh, he said, don't, don't come in my class half-assed. He said, that big old body, he said, if anything, you need to be working harder, not, not less. You better, you better work. You come in here, right? And there was an expectation. He was going to treat me just as much, uh, almost like, you know, our black teachers will uh, push their black students, right? Yeah. Yeah. I was going to be pushed just as hard or harder than everybody else in the class. Yeah. It was yeah. not going to be a uh, favorite or because you're bad, I'm gonna, no, he said, it's your body. I remember yeah. Mama Naomi saying, I don't care how big or small you are. It's your body. You need to be jumping. <laughs> like it's yours. You have, yeah. to, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so, but I remember in Idaho one time I had this teacher and, um, his white man was, um, he didn't know me and he was teaching ballet and he was rural traditional. And I was asking him, I went to his class, I went to ask him, I said, I want to take your class, but how traditional is it? Um, because I didn't have pink tights. <laughs> so I was like, I had the white tights. I was like, but how traditional is it? Like, can I take, because you know, ballet teachers can be real finicky. And I wanted to know if it would be okay for me to take this class with these white tights. And he said, you want to dance? And I, I was like, yeah, he was like, he thought I was asking him if he thought I could dance. I was asking if it was okay for me to take his class with these, cause I could dance. Why is I, versus pink? I was a dancer, right? So just, yeah. I, yeah, we are dancers. We are dancers. Yes. And so then he, so he was like, I- They're beautiful dancers. <laughs> definitely. definitely. Add. Uh, but in this class, he was like, okay. And I took the class and it literally took him the entire class before he could come and give me instruction. Cause he could not wrap his mind around the fact that my big old body was taking this ballet class, right? I had right. situations in LA where I would take class and then, you know, those are like professional dancers primarily. And, you know, uh, or going to dance conferences or whatever it is. And um, like the Western ones, like jazz and ballet, modern, all that. And, yeah. um, and they're looking at me like, what you, who are you? What you coming in here? Cause you know, the, the standard is this, right? right. African dance class. And, um, and I go in and, and at the end of the class, they're like, oh my God, you're so amazing. Right. Uh, so I've, I feel like I've had enough experiences at 45 where I pushed my my fatness in and I got the information, right? Like um, I used to take at Cliff's, at Cliff's uh, studio, um, I used to take, I needed some ballet technique. And in Southern California, the classes are focused more on little kids, right? It, unlike the Bay, the Bay, it's folk, the adult, adult, there's an adult dance culture. It's not like that in Southern California. And I needed to strengthen my technique, like there were gaps. And so I was like, well, I want to take a, a ballet class. And the only one I could take was like this one on Saturdays because I was working full time, but it was like with six-year-olds. I think they were like five and six. And I was like, <laughs> I was like 25, 26 years old, hella fat. <laughs> In there with all of these little kids, you know what I mean? So like, 
So I I will go and get what I need, right? So yeah. I yes. doing yeah. that. But I think at 45, I'm in a place where I don't want to enter. When I go work out, I don't want to carry the weight of her shit. It's, Pilates is hard enough in this body. Like I'm, I'm big. Like I'm, I'm dealing with my own demons of, you know, there are things that I could do six years ago, seven years ago before my accident that I can't do today, right? Like, like I have a whole new body and relationship I'm having to develop with this body. And there's, there's like, there's an emotional piece. Like that shit is hard. Yeah. I don't want to be responsible for her too. So as well, I see what you're saying. Yes. So definitely, I think that we should get it. I think if this is the if this is the space I have, then I'm gonna get it right. And if she was the only one, and I had to interface her, I would. But I also have choice, and 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 they're better teachers. And I I would much rather go to one of the other teachers that's actually going to be, because because she's so caught up in her shit, she's not helpful either. You know what I mean? Like like right. I, my other teacher. Okay, so this is about this is about your journey into health. So not really that you're running, but this is your journey into health, and you want to be in the space with people where you can you can develop what you need to develop without carrying their stuff. Definitely, and I think we got to be careful about like the scars, right? Like so. I don't, I feel like at 45, I just don't have to be with somebody who's going to, because what she did were, they were microaggressions. So whether she's conscious or not, like, it doesn't matter. They're not, that wasn't helpful. Yeah, and you saw them. Yeah, like that, like, yeah. I, like, it, like, because really it's insulting. So really it's almost like being in touch. Like I want, I, I, I always, I'm, I'm getting, I get what you're saying. Mm-hmm. But for people who are listening, who are not as evolved consciously, mm-hmm. I want to say that it's almost, I want to define it, you know, kind of like just really break it down to ABCs. Mm-hmm. So basically what you're saying is you are feeling, it's about the feeling. You, we can't, we should not negate our feeling. We should not dismiss what we feel. Mm-hmm. We need to make say, oh, I'm feeling this. Okay, let me check in with myself. Why am I feeling this? What's in me? Is it my ego? It, was I triggered? Is this from some past pain? Like literally, like I think as we go through life, we need to really go there with ourselves, right? So I think what you're saying, Kairishi, is it didn't feel right for you. And you want to feel where you're in a space where you can unload your own stuff and not take on other folks' stuff. So if I go to a class, the teacher is there for me. Mm-hmm. I don't want to, have you ever, I don't know if you've ever, so I, I, <laughs> I remember when my mom passed away um, and we, me and my brother went to go collect her things from the place she was staying. And when we would tell the people that she died, oh how's Didi and when we told her she died they would start crying and then we would have to take care of them right <laughs> but my mama is my mama right. they should be like sit off and take care of you yes. let me cook you food. let me yes you know but we would have to take care of them right and so yeah 
Uh, it's not that that is something that I'm unfamiliar with, right? And and as a fat person, like I feel like so much of our lives is uh, geared towards making people feel comfortable with us in space, right? Uh, I was thinking about like uh, because of COVID, right? Um, one of the harshest uh, experiences as a big person to me is taking an airplane, right? And the people aren't big, they don't really get it. But you get on a plane, especially if you're made like us, where, where we have he- lower bottom heavy, we're bottom heavy. Yeah. So, so then how I fit in the seat is going to be different. Where you could have somebody who's fat, like more of a tri- like an upside down triangle or something, where their legs are little, so they're not necessarily taken, but they could be, we could weigh the same but they're not going to take up space in the same way as I am because I'm bottom heavy, right? Yeah. Um, and getting on an airplane and people uh, feeling like, um, oh my, you can see and they're looking like, oh, and I hope she's not sitting next to me or, uh, the, you know what I mean? Like all this stuff and all the ways that we just, like I put myself in a seat really feeling uncomfortable the whole time and getting indentations and things in my legs because I didn't want the person I didn't want to make them feel uncomfortable with my thigh touching on them, right? Um, but now because of COVID, uh, every every plane, there's a seat in between. You know what I mean? You have, so I'm like, wow, like what if the world just had space for you? What if I didn't just have to carry your shit and mine at the same time? That's yeah. a heavy yeah. lift, right? And I think yeah. similarly with this teacher, she got to go and do her own shit about fatness. Like, that's not my responsibility. Like, to be honest, in your class, you should have learned about bodies, period. And, and I know it's true because there are other teachers at the same studio that from day one have been like, ooh, like um, one of my teachers, Shaz, I, I really love her class. And she's like, you know, you're really flexible. Like, you're like surprisingly flexible, right? She's like, you can do things I can't do. And so she's giving me advice on, how not to not to use not to lean on my flexibility and not work the muscles I need to work right so I can overextend because I can but mm-hmm. it's not working the muscle group that I might need to right but Shaz like pays attention to my body it doesn't matter that I'm fat you know um and and they're like work and like they get like and she's not the only one like I have had like several different teachers in this space and so I know it's possible. This other woman got some fat people shit that she got to go work out with her and her God or whatever that I don't want to carry in my workout because Pilates is hella hard <laughs> and I'm too big. It's too much. I can't do both. <laughs> I cannot do both. But to your point, I definitely think people should push. Like, I'm, so that's not it at all. Like, um, I think that you know, like I did in that swimming class and like I've done throughout my life is take up space. I think that we should give ourselves permission to take up space, right? And some spaces are easier to push. The airplane, it's it's a little harder. (laughs) Um, When it's a, you know, pre-COVID, it was much harder to feel like it was okay to take up space there. And to not, and then I feel, you know, and that's the whole thing. Like, why do I feel guilty? And why is it bad to be me? And like, why, like, I shouldn't have to, I shouldn't have to feel bad about taking a flight. Like these human things that people do, I shouldn't have to feel bad 
about them, but weight is one of those things that they blame us for. Well, how you were saying you came out that your body was not made to be small, but society says like, that's your fault. Instead of there being like, oh, there's space for different bodies, short body, tall body, short bodies, whatever, thin, small, whatever, right? Big butts, little butts, big titties. Like there should be like bodies come in different sizes. And instead of there being space for them, uh, we get blamed for being big. It's our fault. It's because we eat too much. It's because we're not disciplined. It's because we're lazy. It's because of all of these things. Mm-hmm. And, and it's socially okay for them to make us feel like shit. I know. I, I get that. I get that. I think there's a difference. I think society makes a difference of being big mm-hmm. and being beast. Mm-hmm. Um, because when you're obese, there's another kind of stigma that comes with obese. That's when I use health to attack you. There you go. So there's these these uh, episodes, TV shows, mm-hmm. you know, where they're like the 500 pound man or woman. My 600 pound life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what's it called? My 600 pound life is one, but there's a bunch of different ones. The Biggest Loser. There's all these shows about fat people. So these things, um, it's a part of our society and we need to look at it from a emotional, psychological perspective because that's where it all stems from. You remember, who was it that, taught us that um, fat is a way to protect ourselves. Like when we get thicker, we're protecting ourselves from either more abuse or sexual abuse or this type of thing. Um, But yes, I I said that to say that society looks at bigness and obesity differently. And what's obese for one person could be big for another. You know what I'm saying? What's big for another could be obese for someone else. You know, Um, I know there's some people in my family that I'm considered, you know, like thick and super obese, (laughs) but I don't see myself as being that way. Um, But you're right. Society um, does have this way of letting us know where we fit in the world. And you're and to your point, you're like, why do I got to fit in those boxes? Why do I have to like fight to get on an airplane and feel a certain way? Because we live in a world where we've been fed, literally fed what the standard of beauty is. And obesity and thickness and ass and thighs is not the standard of beauty in this society. Mm-hmm. So this is why we have this is why you have to fight through an air airline flight. This is how you why you have to fight through a Pilates class with someone who don't understand sizeism. Um, this is why it's the society that we live. Mm-hmm. Plain and simple. How we navigate mm-hmm. is totally our choices. Uh, it, How we emotionally mm-hmm. navigate, totally 
our choices. So some things we do have control over. Society, we don't. It's interesting. The uh, You know, one of the things I always tell people is I, the way people talk about my body hasn't changed. When I was uh, a size 16, when I, <laughs> when I was... When, when you I, were smaller, you're saying it's the same, it's been the same. Yeah. When I was 200 pounds and playing sports and probably my one of my healthiest, right? It wasn't no different than when I was 300 pounds dancing five to seven days a week, uh, hella active, hella good, hella strong in my body to where I am now at 400 pounds. Like the people have talked about me the same. In fact, when I was younger, I, they treated me like I was this size. Like that, that was... I thought I was so big. <laughs> I didn't even have a consciousness for like what big really was. I thought I was so big. And one of the favorite ways for them to attack us is around health. But I'm like, are you one, are we really concerned with my health? Really? Like, do you care when I got my teeth cleaned last? Do you care if I'm vitamin loading or my, my vitamin regimen is? Um, are you caring about like uh, skincare and like like health? Are, are you caring about my mental health? Uh, if I'm if I'm in therapy or not? Like, are, are you really concerned with what's going on with me? Or are you concerned with my weight? Right? Um, do you know that I just got a checkup in June? Like, and my health is fine. Like, you know what I mean? Like, are you really concerned with my health, or do you are you like lose weight? Right. <laughs> and. Yeah, I just, I, whatever. I just think that it, there, there's so much junk that is, is fed to us around um, our bodies. And I love those commercials where the, the person is like running and they're healthy. You think that they're healthy and then they have like, they hit the wall or something and they have like, their cholesterol is like off the charts, right? Like my cholesterol is fine. Like my blood sugar is fine. Like my, my things are fine. Like full, full, work up, work up, like I'm good. Yeah. But because you look at my body, you don't think that. Yeah. Um, and I just, I think it just gets tiring to like hold other people's shit, to have to fight doctors to get treated right in healthcare because you're a black woman, because you're a big woman, like to constantly um, carry other people's shit. Sometimes it's just too much. And in Pilates, that's the moment where I go get taken care of. I don't want to take care of nobody else. In the world, I'm going to have to do that. There are spaces and places where I don't have any choice, right? But in Pilates, something that I'm paying for, yeah, I'm going to get cared on. <laughs> so, Absolutely. It's been so good talking to you, Corinne. This is much longer than <laughs> we were supposed to go. Do you have any last words you want to share with people? Yeah. I do. I would like to end <clears throat> in conclusion. I would like to say, um, follow your spirit. Follow what leads you, what guides you, what keeps poking at you. Go for it. You know, fear is fake evidence appearing real. The only way to get through fear is to go through it. You got to do the thing that you are so afraid to do. That's the only way to overcome it. We can't meditate it through. We can't talk ourselves into it. We just have to.
do it. We have to do the thing that 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 frightens us. So um, that's my message. And I want everyone to know that what you're going through is not new. What we're going through is not new. Mm-hmm. Somebody done been through it, honey. Mm-hmm. And there's a solution to it. So whatever you feel like you're going through or whatever you feel like your situation is or your problem is or your disdain is, just know that somebody else went through it and there's a solution. So don't give up on you and accept you all the way, everything. When I said at the beginning of the show, rub it and love it, I meant that. Because if you're on a journey to change anything about yourself, you're still yourself when you wake up. As the change is happening, you're still yourself. So rub all that and love all that. Be self-accepting. So when you do reach your target goal, whatever that may be, you would have also cultivated self-love. Yeah. So rub it and love it. You gotta accept and, you. And, know, and know that there's space for us in this world. Let's just claim it. Where can they find you at? You can find me on Facebook um, at Corinthia Peoples, um, but Corinthia Facebook Corinthia Peoples, also business page Corinthia Peoples Designs. Like I said, I'm on every single Wednesday. I am committed to that time slot um, to being with women and men, kings and queens, princesses and knights to adorn you with fabulous jewelry, beautifulness, to uplift you and and let you know that there's space for you um, every Wednesday, 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 7, um, 8 8 p.m. Central and 9 p.m. Eastern. I'm also on Saturdays. And I'm on YouTube um, as well, Corinthian People. Saturdays, I do Power in Your Pivot um, every single Saturday, 11 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Central, and 1 um, Eastern. I think I got that right. I always have to count 11, 12, 1. Yes, 2. 2 Eastern. <laughs> I always have to count it. 2 Eastern and 1 Central. So, and then you can find me at Corinthian Peoples. It's spelled C-O-R-I-N-T-H-I-A-P-E-O-P-L-E-S dot com. You can find me there as well. Please, I invite you into my tribe, into my world. Um, I'm here to um, be the example that I speak about. I'm not hypocritical. I'm all about accountability. So whatever I share and impart, trust and believe. I'm living that life too. I'm taking those challenges and um, being what I speak. So that is the last message. Thank you, Kairishi, for having me. I so love you and honor the journey that you're on. Um, Keep up the, the, let's continue to uplift one another um, and be there for each other. That is just like the single most simplest thing that we can do with all our works that we are doing in the world. Thank you, Mama. I appreciate you. And I'm so happy that you've been able to be on with us. This is this, this is a rich conversation. It's a lot of gems in this conversation. Yeah. <laughs> like them gemstones that you be uh peddling. They, this was very real. <laughs> peddling. 
Respect entrepreneurship, honey. Respect the entrepreneurship, okay? Selling honey, like I am offering the exchange of the gems. Yes, we're full. This is full of gems. Yeah. Thank you, my love. I appreciate you. I appreciate you too.